Welcome as we continue our journey through the Word of God and uh, continue this journey through the book of First Thessalonians and I, I hope that you're enjoying it uh, and I know, it, look, if you haven't had a chance to look at uh, any of my previous videos, please go back on my YouTube channel. I've got playlists created there and also have my, uh, my the audio now of um, my messages uh, on podcasts, Apple, Spotify, oh, there's a whole list of them. Um, just just type in Google and Anthony P. Richards podcast, you'll find it. Uh, I'm not quite up to date with the podcast, we're still getting them all loaded, and, uh, and so bear with me on that, but we're getting there. Uh, we're continuing today through 1 Thessalonians, and we're looking at the second half of chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to look at verse 13 through to verse 20. So let's start. Uh, Paul's just talked about how it's important to have a walk worthy of, of God. And then he says, For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in the truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Paul earnestly believed and taught others that God had spoken to man and that we have recorded this word of God. He believed in a voice that speaks to mankind with the authority of eternity and speaks above just mere human opinion. Since we do have this word of God, you and me, we have a true voice of authority. David Guzik says this, some people like to say that there is a word of God, but that we can't be sure of what he says. When we appeal to the Bible, they like to reply, well, that's just your interpretation. There are certainly some places where the word of God is hard to precisely interpret, but there are not many such places. If we cannot know what God has spoken, then he is, may as well not have spoken at all. The Thessalonians received the word of God as it is in truth. And Paul presented it not as the word of men, and the Thessalonians received it as the word of God. Now, not everybody is going to receive the Bible as the word of God. Uh, Spurgeon said this, that you have not perceived spiritual things is true, but it is no proof that there are none to perceive. So if 40 people declare there is no power of the Holy Spirit going with the word, this only proves that those 40 people don't know what others do know. Paul's confidence in the word of God wasn't a matter of wishful thinking or blind faith. He could see that it effectively, the word of God effectively works in those who believe it. God's word works. It doesn't just bring information into our heads or our hearts and produce nice feelings. There's power in the word of God to change lives. That should just like you should be sitting somewhere saying amen right now. Verse 14. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. When the Thessalonians responded to the gospel, they became the targets of persecution and the Thessalonian Christians became imitators of those who had suffered before them. 
They willingly suffered the same things because they were convinced that Paul had brought them not the word of man, but the word of God. The word of man is never going to be worth suffering for. The word of God, totally worth it. Verse 15. The Judeans who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they do not please God and are contrary to all men. Paul comforted uh, these suffering Christians with the assurance that they were not the first to ever suffer this way. The Lord Jesus himself faced persecution and the Christians in Judea faced it first. Uh, Also, Paul and all his associates persecuted. Now he says here, who killed the Lord Jesus? Paul wrote that his own countrymen, the Judeans, had killed Jesus. But he knew well that the Jews of Judea were not the only ones responsible for the murder of Jesus. The Romans had their full share of guilt, basically so that both Jew and Gentile were guilty of Jesus' death. He says, And they do not please God and are contrary to all men. Paul comforted the Thessalonian Christians with the awareness that they were the ones who were right. They were the ones who were pleasing God. And now it was necessary assurance because they've been persecuted by religious people. And, and, but not, not from the religion of God, but from other false religions. And there, were, there was a concern, Paul had a concern that the Thessalonians might wonder if these other religious people were in fact right and maybe they were wrong. And he's like, no, 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 you're, you're, you've chosen the right way. You're, you're, forget about them. Verse 16 forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Paul revealed what here, what offended these religious people who were persecuting the Thessalonians so much. They were outraged that the Gentiles could be saved without first becoming Jews. And this exclusive attitude that they had filled up the measure of their sins. That's what Paul's talking about here. And then he says, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Paul comforted the Thessalonians by assuring them, God will indeed take care of your persecutors. When Christians forget this, they they can so often disgrace themselves, even curse themselves, by returning persecution for persecution towards others. So don't ever do that because you can bring bad things on yourself by doing that. You will never win. It's not God's plan. Don't do it. Verse 17. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Paul knew that The Thessalonians appreciated the comfort that he was giving them. But they wondered, why didn't he bring this comfort in person? Why did he send uh, Timothy and and Silas? They naturally thought that it would be much better if he just came in person. But Paul assures them that the reason he's not there is it's not a lack of love or desire on his part. That's got nothing to do with it. Verse 18. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Now, this is important 
because it wasn't that Paul didn't want to visit the Thessalonians. It was Satan hindered Paul and his associates. Paul assures the Thessalonians that he wanted and desired to be with them, but he was hindered by Satan and that this happened time and time again. The Thessalonians, you have to remember, they are Gentile converts. But when Paul mentions Satan here, he gave no further explanation. So what does that mean? That means that when he led them to Christ and he taught them for only a few short weeks before he was run out of town, he had actually given them teaching on who Satan was and spiritual warfare. The brand new Christians. These are not Jewish converts. These Gentiles know nothing. Nothing about the God of Israel, nothing. Introduced Jesus, within weeks he's taught them doctrine about Satan, hell, spiritual warfare. They're, they're real. Paul, in all his apostolic ministry and authority, could still be blocked by Satan. But Paul didn't just receive this satanic hindrance in a fatalistic way. In other words, he didn't go, well, I guess there's nothing I can do about that. No, he did something about that hindrance. Firstly, it was actually understanding where it came from, that it was satanic. He knew that this wasn't some random circumstance, but it was a direct attack from Satan, and Paul had the discernment to know. Now, important for me to remind you, remember there's a difference between Satan and demons. There's only one Satan, and he's not like God. He's not omnipresent, he's not omni omniscient, uh, and he's not omnipotent. In other words, Satan himself can only be in one place at one time. He can only be annoying one person out of the six billion on the planet at a time. That's why he has demons, and he only has limited number of demons, and they can only ever be in one place at one time. God can be anywhere at any time, know all and do all and be over all and conquer all. They're, they're not equal. It's not two equals having a fight. No. Understand. When Paul talks about Satan here, it's probably highly likely that you and I will live our lives on this planet and never encounter Satan. But we will maybe uh, encounter satanic influence and, and, and forces against us. Paul had faith that even though Satan himself was coming against him, it was only going to be for a short time and that the roadblock would be overcome. And thirdly, Paul was committed to fight against this roadblock any way he could. And if he couldn't be in Thessalonica in person, then this letter that he was going to send would go for him and would teach and encourage the people in his absence. See, Satan's roadblock got Paul started on writing letters to the churches. Think about this. When Satan then later on saw the great work that God did through all of Paul's letters, do you think he had a slight case of regret? Like, oh, I should never have hindered Paul because he ended up writing, you know, pretty much most of the New Testament that's now going to be an encouragement to every Christ follower for eternity. Duh, that didn't play out as well as I thought. Yeah. Um, and finally, Paul sees God get a victory. Acts 20, in Acts 20, which, which describes the circumstances going on here, it describes Paul's eventual return to Thessalonica and other churches in the area. So it, it, Satan couldn't keep him away. Spurgeon said this, Supposing that we have ascertained that hindrances in our way really come from Satan. Okay, what then? I have but one piece of advice, and that is, go on. Hindrance or no hindrance. 
in the path of duty as God, the Holy Ghost, enables you. Go on. Don't stop. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. You win. Doesn't mean you're not going to fight. You're going to win. For what is it? Verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Paul assured the Thessalonians that he would never forget them and could never forget them because they were his glory and his joy. His inability to visit them should never be taken as a lack of love towards them. David Guzik said this, Perhaps Paul would say that he didn't need a crown in heaven because these precious ones in Thessalonica were his crown of victory. Those whom we bring to Jesus and disciple are a crown of victory for us. It's it's so important for you and I to show people how much we care about them, not just tell them the gospel. They must associate us sharing the gospel message with us caring for them. They need to know that we care. It's such an important observation. You You can't eliminate care. It always must be there. And Paul went to great lengths to tell the church in Thessalonica, I care for you. I care about you. That's an observation for us. Who, do you, who should you send the message to today and say, I care about you? I just want to tell you I care about you. I'm praying for you today because I care about you. Whether they're a Christian or not, Christ follower or not, send somebody a message, I care about you. Send everybody a message, I care about you. Wouldn't that be an amazing message of love to everybody you know today? I think another observation from this is that We have to always remember there is power in the word of God to change lives. It's one of the reasons why I love sending people Bible verses because when they read it, even if they don't want to read it, there's power through the Holy Spirit to just just convict them of the power of God. You know, um, uh, I think of Satan like this. Um, You know, when I grew up driving, uh, and, and uh, you know, when you went to park the car somewhere, you'd, you'd you know, put the car in gear and then you'd pull what we call the handbrake on, you know, the handbrake uh, in, in, in America and other places called the parking brake. But if you ever were driving your car and you tried to stop your car with a handbrake, all it did is just slow you down a little bit. You know, you could put your foot on that, on that parking brake as you're driving at 40 miles an hour, it'll slow you down, but it's not going to stop you. That's what Satan is. Satan's a handbrake. He'll slow you down. He'll never stop you because you've got the power of God. And when he slows you down, it's just for a little bit. And then, oh, then that breaks off and your, your accelerator, it, it's full to the floor and you're ready to go for God. Okay? Listen, if you're getting slowed down right now, I want to pray for you. I, I know that there are people right now and you're being slowed down. And the enemy... And his forces are coming against you and they're slowing you down. I want to pray for you today that you would experience freedom. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, for people today, Lord, that are being slowed down by the enemy, Lord, right now. 
two things. One, I pray that they would know that you care. And secondly, I pray, Lord, that they would declare victory right now in Jesus' name over those circumstances. God, who is this who overcomes? 1 John 5, 4. Who who is this who overcomes the world but he who has faith in Jesus Christ? I pray, Lord, as they put their faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, they would overcome right now in Jesus' name. Have a breakthrough right now, Lord, right now. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would allow them to then, as they have that navigation of this circumstance, to have a deeper care for those in their lives. Um, Lord, convict people who are watching this right now who it is that they need to send a message to today saying, I care about you. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. And I love you. And I care about you. Lord, convict them of who it is that they should send that message to. May it be as many people as possible. Let us flood the world with the message of the love and care of Jesus Christ and the love and care of ourselves towards others. Lord, I pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen.